Hello, <clears throat> this is Dr. Mark Stevens, and we're continuing our study uh, through First and Second Corinthians, and tonight we're going to be studying First Corinthians chapter four. But before we start, we're going to open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your goodness and mercy. We ask, dear God, that you would just strengthen us and help us, dear God, to better understand your word. We pray, God, for revelation, knowledge, and insight. Help us to apply your word to our life daily. Uh, help us, dear God, to have a hunger and a thirst for your word. Help us, dear God, to walk in the spirit. Help us not give in to the lust of the flesh, but help us, dear God, to truly seek you with our whole heart about every matter that we encounter. I ask that you look upon those that are going through severe hardship right now, uh, primarily because of the COVID and because of the economic situations and the racial uh, disharmony in our country. We just pray for healing right now, God. Strengthen us, dear God, as your body as we go forth sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the dying world. And we ask this in all blessings in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. All right, tonight we're going to uh, study 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, we're reading from the New King James Bible. And we're going to start at verse 1. Let no man, let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human being or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself. Yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. I'm going to break this down verse by verse, and we're going to take our time so we can get the most out of these verses. First thing Paul says in uh, chapter 4, he says, let a man consider us as servants of Christ. And when you translate that from the Greek, servant here means bond slave. And so Paul is saying that consider us slaves of Christ, servants. And that's really the, the, the basis of what a minister of the gospel is. We are servants. Now, irregardless of what our uh, fivefold ministry uh, office may be, what matters is that we're servants, that we approach the, the, the call that's in our life like a servant. Jesus Christ set the example for us. He's the Son of God. He's the, 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 the creator of the world, yet he came here in the form of a servant. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus let lepers touch him. Jesus touched lepers. He healed women with an issue of blood. He uh, uh, turned women from prostitutes into, into prophetesses. Jesus um, was that humble servant. And that was the reason why Jesus washed his disciples' feet, so he could show them firsthand what a servant looked like. And in that act of washing feet, that was the act of a slave or a house servant. When people in those days came to your house or tent or wherever you lived to visit, the servant of the house would wash your feet because they didn't want you to bring sand into their domicile. So we have to remember that a servant is just that. Servants don't need glory. Servants don't need attention. Servants just want to serve. 
And that's what Paul is describing himself uh, in this verse. He's also uh, talking about Apollos, because Apollos was Paul's co-laborer with the Corinthian church. Like he said, I planted Apollos' water, God got the increase. Um, while Apollos was in charge, Paul was yet in prison writing these epistles to the various churches. So let's keep reading. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful, but with, the, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. All right. What Paul is talking about here is uh, Paul was very uh, unfairly treated during this time. Paul spent most of his uh, ministry in prison. He would establish a church. He would get arrested, but he would always leave somebody in charge, like uh, Apollos in Corinth or um, Timothy and Titus in Ephesus. He would leave somebody that he discipled that he poured into to run the show while he was in prison. But while he was in prison, a lot of haters talked about Paul. They talked about him like he was a criminal. Or they talked about him like he was unfit to lead a church from a prison cell. So Paul was always having to defend himself. And here's an example. You know, he's saying that uh, uh, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. And uh, judged by you. Uh, for I do not even judge myself. So what Paul is saying is, God is his judge. Paul realizes this. No one can judge him. And truth be told, no one can judge us but God. Um, and God does judge us. But when God judges us, he judges us righteously. Meaning, whenever God judges a servant of his, he does it righteously and fairly. You know, he's not an unjust judge. God always, even when we're wrong and God judges us, he's the type of judge that won't just rebuke us but he'll help us to get better in the area where we fell. So God is a righteous judge. Jesus is the judge. We don't want anybody else to judge us but God. Trust me. All right? Okay, continuing. Verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. And what Paul is trying to say here is none of us should ever judge people because we don't know the intents of a person's heart. A lot of times when we judge people out of our flesh and emotions, we judge them one way, but we don't see the whole picture. Um, I use this as an example. I remember... Um, some time ago, uh, I was standing in front of a nightclub witnessing to some guys going in and out of the club. And two days later, when church, uh, you know, it was Friday night, and two days later in church, there were people murmuring and whispering about they saw Deacon Stevens in front of the club. And I just laughed, and I said, well, did they tell you I was to hand out tracts and Bibles? And they said, no. Well, see, that's an example. You never judge people because you don't know the whole story. But God knows the whole story. God sees the beginning and the end. The Bible says Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So don't get in the habit of trying to judge people. Good example. When somebody comes to you about somebody else, don't listen to it and say, you know, I don't know the whole story. You don't either. Let's just pray about the situation. Because usually people that are tattletales, they, they don't mean any good 
for the church or for the person you're talking about. A lot of times people do that because they're trying to lift up their self. So be careful with that. Don't, don't put your mouth on people without knowing the whole story. Amen. Praise God. Okay, verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you different from one another? Now here again, Paul is addressing the fact that the Corinthian church was a very divided church. Remember in the previous chapters, we talked about how some said they were Apollos, some said they were Cephas, some said they were Paul, some said they were Jesus. And it was a bad, <clears throat> bad case of division in the church. So it seems like as we continue forward, Paul is still addressing that. Now, why did Paul spend some of his time addressing division and addressing um, you know, disharmony and, and things like this in the church? Because if you keep reading through 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to get deeper. He's going to start talking about um, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. He's going to talk about ministry gifts. He's going to talk about how the church is supposed to conduct itself spiritually. But he said in a previous chapter, I would give you guys meat, but you're still on milk. So right now he's giving them milk. He can't get them to the meat because they're not ready for it yet. <clears throat> and a lot of times, Christians... You know, I, I know myself. There were times when, you know, I knew I wasn't ready for, well, I didn't think I was ready. I thought I was ready for deeper things and, and, and to go deeper in God. But God knew I wasn't ready. And that's how God is. You, he's not going to give you meat so you can choke on it. He's going to give you milk. And that's what Paul was doing with the Corinthian church. But the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul is giving out milk. And then as you know, as you go along, it starts to get a little bit deeper and deeper and meatier and meatier. Um, and a lot of times, God also has to weed out the, the people that are hindering the growth of the church. He has to weed out the people that are uh, causing division. Uh, sometimes, you know, when it comes to division and people that are um, causing problems in church, sometimes the only cure is for them to leave and go somewhere else. Um, and a lot of times we, we call those people church hoppers, but and, and, and that's not the case in all situations. Some people God will weed out. Sometimes God will separate people for a reason. A good example of that was with Paul. When Paul first started in the ministry, he started out with Barnabas. But there was a sharp contention between Paul and Barnabas about John Mark. And they had to go separate ways. Now, did that hinder the gospel being preached? No, because uh, Barnabas teamed up with Mark. Paul got with Silas. And they, cont they continued in the ministry. Uh, so... Even people of great spiritual stature can have separation and, and, and have division uh, or disagreements rather. I'm not talking about division with these guys. It was just a disagreement. But disagreeing doesn't mean that you can't work together or continue to love one another. And Paul really loved Mark even though he was sharp in his tone about Mark because in, at the end of Paul's life, he called for Mark to help him because he said he's profitable for the gospel's sake. So let's keep reading. Uh, verse 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Are you already full? You are already rich. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Now, what Paul is saying here is, 
while he's while he he was responsible for establishing the church in Corinth, he was responsible for their growth. He was responsible for who, who they were right at this moment. But <clears throat> he's in prison like a pauper. He's in prison like a criminal, and they're like you know some of them were actually gloating about it, and some of them were puffed up, and they were like you know well, where's Paul at? Where's Saul? You know. Um, but Paul didn't take it personally. He didn't let, let it get to him. He could have, but he didn't. And let's keep reading. It says, um, verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. And he was kind of being sarcastic, but what he was saying was, we poured into you, we blessed you with spiritual wisdom and knowledge, but now we're in prison because of that. So now all of a sudden, you're the smart ones, you're the spiritual ones, and we're the paupers and we're the criminals. And that's what Paul was kind of saying. I, I, I don't doubt that Paul felt hurt by this. I, I'm sure he did. I think anybody would maybe feel a little hurt about this. But Paul just kept ministering to them. You know, for a lot of us, we might have gotten our feelings and said, I ain't writing no more letters to these rascals. But Paul didn't do that. Even though he was in prison, even though he was suffering, he continued to minister to the Corinthian church. All right. Let's see here. To the... Uh, we're starting in verse 11. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands, being reviled. We bless being persecuted, we endure being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. So what Paul is saying here is he's kind of giving them a wake-up call. Like, look, okay, um, you guys are glorying in your positions as, you know, leaders of the church, you know, but we become, you know, poor, beaten, poorly clothed, homeless, in prison, reviled. But, but Paul is reminding them, look, you wouldn't be where you are unless it was for us. And pretty much all of the uh, apostles suffered horribly. Paul was in prison many times. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. Apollos was in prison at one point. Uh, Peter was beaten, uh, stoned, hung on a cross upside down. Mark was dragged through the streets of Egypt by a horse. They all suffered for the gospel's sake. But Paul said, I glory in this. You know, Paul didn't, you know, if that was a lot of us, a lot of us get our feelings here if somebody talks and calls us a Jesus freak. Or if somebody uh, defriends us on Facebook because we said something that was biblical. That, that's not persecution. Getting beat up, getting beheaded, getting hung up on the cross upside down, that's persecution. And Paul was reminding them, while you guys are out there glorying in your position, you know, Paul was saying, you're there where you're at because of me. All right. All right, let's look at uh, verse uh, 16. And we start dealing, we're dealing with the continuing of Paul's pastoral care of the church. Verse 16, 14, it says, I do not write these things to shame you. But as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy, or Timotheus to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ and teach everywhere in every church. You know, unfortunately, back then, they didn't have cell phones and they didn't have, uh, you know, uh, modern conveniences like emails. But Paul ha had to send people 
to relay his message. Timothy was one of them. Timothy, uh, John Mark, different ones, Luke. Luke was his primary mouthpiece. A lot of times when, when Paul wrote things, it was Luke that was transcribing it for him. So here he's letting them know, imitate me. And the reason why Paul is saying this is because he's letting them know, you're not going to always be able to walk around and glory in your position. They're going to come after you too. And eventually the early church, prior to the, the, the Roman Empire taking over um, the, 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 the Catholic Church and becoming the Catholic Church, Christians were still being terrorized by the Romans, by the Jewish uh, officials. They were still being terrorized. And Paul's trying to let them know, Im imitate me, because if you don't, you're in trouble. And, uh, and he also reminds them uh, that he teaches everywhere in every church. It's funny, too, because I'm thinking about how during the COVID, a lot of, a lot of churches are closed. But Paul, it, Paul would be a good example of this. There's no such thing as a closed church. We're a body of human believers that, that walk this earth. So if you never go in a building called a church, you are the church. So wherever you go, you represent God through your, uh, through your witnessing, through your actions, through your love, through your concern. We are the church. And until we get that through our head, we're not going to be able to do a lot of things for God because we feel limited. We're not limited. There's no limits to what God can do through you. You know, um, you know, think about these people in these countries that don't have a church building to go to. They have church in basements. They have church in their home. They have church on rooftops. They have church in the forest. They have church in the woods. I remember when I was in Korea, I saw people have church in a rice paddy. It don't matter where you meet, but you got to preach the gospel wherever you're going. Amen. So, here he says in verse 18, Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love, and a spirit of gentleness? So what Paul is saying is, a lot of you rascals think that because I'm not there, that you're not going to still get rebuked and schooled by me. You will be. And that's what happened. That's why Paul wrote these letters, because Paul trusted men like Luke and Timothy and Titus uh, to take the guy and Apollos to take these letters and not just read them, but to enforce these 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 um these teachings to the church. One of the problems with the Corinthian church was the Corinthian church, as you keep as we keep reading, you'll see spiritually they were very gifted. Uh, there were the gifts of the spirit were operating in the in the church. Uh, people were being saved, healed, delivered, but they still had an attitude of arrogance. And that was what Paul had to deal with. A lot of the people in that Corinthian church, um, they thought they were somebody because they had a gift. And Paul had, had to remind them, it ain't you, it's the Jesus in you. And that's the kind of the gist of, of, of what we're getting ready to head into in the next few chapters. But these first four chapters really deal with division in the church. And it also deals with the fact that, you know, don't get puffed up and lifted up because of your position. If you're in a position, God puts you there. If you're in a position, God ordained it. If you're in a position, God gifted you to do the job. You, you, it's not you. It's Christ in you. And that's what Paul was trying to get across to these people. Now, uh, I'm going to be doing this Bible study on Zoom. And uh, the reason why I'm doing it on Zoom is because I can take this, this Zoom message I can record it. 
I can put it on YouTube. I can post it on Facebook. I can do a lot of things with it. And I just want you to keep me in prayer because I'm not giving up. I don't care what technical difficulties and what we're going through. The word is going to get out. So keep us in your prayers and just continue to, uh, to, to, to trust God to, to use us in this time. God wants to use us. God, if this is a wake-up call, saints. We are in the last day's church. You know, God wants to use us. He wants us to be spirit-filled, spirit-led. He wants us to tell the lost how to get saved. He wants us to need deliverance. He wants us to cast the devils out. And it's time out for us sitting down, not doing these things. We must do the works of Christ. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you praise. And we thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your thanksgiving. Uh, and, and we give you thanksgiving for all that you do for us. We give you praise. We thank you for how good you are to us. We ask that you would just pour out your spirit. You said in, in your word, Lord, in the last days, you would pour your spirit out on all flesh. We need that, Lord, more than ever. We need to feel the presence of God so we can do the works of God, so we can cast out devils, so we can preach with power and, and preach with confidence and authority. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys, and I pray that you come back with us uh, next week, and we just give you the praise for all we give God the praise for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.